Hi, and welcome back to the show. Today, I have a very interesting conversation with Mike Kubos. He uh, is starting the first outsourcing political party in the Philippines, which is a momentous occasion. I don't want to get uh, political, um, and I'm certainly generally apolitical myself, but there is an election in the Philippines on May the 9th. Uh, that's about 100 days from now. And the outsourcing industry is a dominant industry within the Philippines, representing about sort of 11 or 12% of the country's GDP. So Mike Kubos, who has about 20 years experience in the industry, feels that outsourcing needs to be better represented. So he has taken that as his mission and he's set up the BPO party list political party. So I it was great to have a conversation with Mike and I really enjoyed it and really learned a lot. And I hope you do too. As always, if you want any of the show notes, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Outsource Accelerator. We are the world's leading outsourcing marketplace and advisory. We help big and small businesses with their outsourcing needs and we can help you too. We cover everything from offshore business and staffing strategy, optimal outsourcing structures, implementations, and fully managed services. If you are already outsourcing, about to start, or are somewhere in between, then we can ensure that you get the best from outsourcing. That's the best prices, best terms, and of course, the best results from your offshore operations. The Outsource Accelerator Marketplace now covers over 3,000 outsourcing firms representing a global workforce of over 5 million people. We also host this leading outsourcing podcast, publish inside outsourcing, and have over 15,000 pages of content on the site. Because we span the entire market, we can ensure that you get the best deal possible. Get in touch today. Visit us at outsourceaccelerator.com slash quote. Also, if you find this podcast interesting or valuable, please share it. We have now produced hundreds of episodes featuring the outsourcing world's most prominent luminaries please show your support by sharing this podcast today. Mike Kubos, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me, uh, Derek, in this uh, very famous uh, podcast of yours. Yeah, it's uh, an you absolute pleasure. Your, uh, you, you, your, your uh, what do I say? Your actions caught my eye. You have set up a a political party called the BPO Party List, uh, and I mm-hmm. want to get your take on why you're doing that, your motivations, and and also what you hope to achieve uh, in doing that. Um, for those that aren't aware, there is a an election coming up on May the 9th uh, this year, mm-hmm. which is about a hundred days away. Uh, mm-hmm. And also, Mike, you are obviously no stranger to outsourcing, which we can hear a little bit about as well. You're based mm-hmm. down in Cebu. Uh, and have your own uh, BPO, so you're you're very much versed in this industry. So, Mike, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, it's so, my pleasure to be here. Yeah. So let let's go. I suppose back to just a bit of background about you. Uh, what you know? What what is your personal connection and background to the outsourcing industry? Yeah. Um, I started as a call center agent way back 2003 um, here in Cebu. I used to be my first job in the call center industry as a technical support agent for Palm. The the Palm OS, the Palm Handheld, the Palm Trio. I don't don't know if you, I think, you know, you you remember using that before, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, those were the days. you know, it used to be really cool that time, right? Um, so, so it was technical support for uh, work in Sykes Asia here in Cebu that time, 2003. 
um, from from there, I you know went into different roles like um, senior agent, uh, subject matter expert, um, as well as uh, reports analyst or business analyst. I went into uh, workforce as well, workforce management, quality assurance, uh, soft skills trainer, technical trainer, supervisor, IT manager, basically most of the roles in, in the operations. So um, 2010, I set up my own uh, call center. It was, I got no mentor. No, you know, it was my first business that time. It was a roller coaster. There were a lot of uh, trial and error, uh, but it's still here. So it's called Performance 360 Global Services. Um, so I'm also involved in software outsourcing. So I have a company called Overcode Technologies. So we do software, create, you build, create software, as well as we do uh, staff leasing. So th- those are most of my um, outsourcing background. That's um, huge. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah. it's so, you know, it's such a, not a common journey, but it, it's amazing to see people starting as, a, as an agent uh, mm-hmm. and then, you know, working their way through and up the entire industry, you know, going right through all of the sort of operational functions of a, of a BPO. And then eventually, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you have done, like you, you've set up your own BPO and now employ you know many many people within the industry. It, it's mm-hmm. it's a fantastic journey. You know? Yeah, um, it, it it is. Uh, you know, uh, I did not dream of, uh, of it, but uh, it was uh, it was very hard as well. Uh, being only here, like in Cebu, that time, two thousand and ten, uh, there there were only there were only a couple of uh, Filipinos. Um, like 100% owned here, uh, 100% owned a call center in Cebu at that time. And I knew no one, I know no other entrepreneur. So it's really just, uh, I, I just tried to figure it out on my own. Uh, it took six years though to, to break even, to start, <laughs> to start really mm-hmm. getting some profits in. But uh, yeah. yeah. And business, you know, business is tough. Huh? Like it isn't, it isn't easy. And you've you've done that whole entrepreneurial journey. And honestly, it's it's not meant to be easy. But obviously, you've you've come out the other side. So congratulations. And to, uh, performance three sixty now. What's a sort of snapshot of that now? How many staff have you got and things like that? Well, it fluctuates. Um, usually around a hundred, at least to two hundred plus. Um, oh, it it's. Uh, we were we're about to scale. Then, um, then the uh, the pandemic hit, so we had to scale down a little bit, uh, and and try to see because uh, about twenty percent of my clients uh, filed Chapter Eleven bankruptcy, so mm-hmm. I had to uh, to I had to restructure some things um, in the, in the company. So yeah, but um, you know I'm hopeful that that you know we, with 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 our market. The small, uh, medium businesses. There's, you know, a lot of uh, because of the pandemic. Um, a lot of business owners outside, especially in the U.S., are now very conscious, or the and or they want to optimize their costs. So, and that really projects a really good opportunity for the outsourcing industry. You know, because sure. people are now very conscious of saving money, yeah, and, and open to getting staff. Uh, offshore yeah i think there's a perfect storm really isn't there that like everyone's right, now more right. aware of remote like having people right. work remotely uh, and then also you know they're needing to save money and then also they're more aware of this opportunity to have remote staff working offshore or globally mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's going to be a big opportunity for outsourcing and so i heard this you know with obviously at the beginning of covid a lot of every bpo struggled it was it was incredibly hard times mm-hmm. um but then some flourished and you know some didn't so much and were you what what's the sort of dynamic of a lot of your clients filing so many chapter 11s are they they're the smaller end of the the market what what what's a sort of typical demographic of, of the client 
Yeah, my my clients who filed bankruptcy are, you know, these are industries that rely a lot with food traffic. So, um, so like restaurants and yeah, and yeah. retail. So, um, you know, I think they were not able to really um, stash some some cash in the bank, or I mean, they don't have any reserve. So they'd rather just close the company, wrap it up, and maybe create a new one or venture to another business. But uh, those are the clients so far. But uh, my financial clients and clients that are more on so- the software side, the technology side, they're, they're ramping up. So they're, they're, they're doing good. So, um, so I guess there's uh, winners and there are losers in, on, in this pandemic, right? So, yeah, 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 yeah. it's certainly been the case. And uh, so the conditions, you know, we can talk about that. And also Mm -hmm. uh, Cebu has has suffered from a, a, what, a um, tropical storm as well recently. There's always, Mm -hmm. always challenges, aren't there? Uh, And so um, I suppose it's these challenges, is it, that's motivated you to, to, kind of go political and try and get more support for the industry? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, well, after the pandemic, uh, for us, for, for, with my company, we started, you know, let me just tell you a little bit about the story performance. We started as a virtual company or a remote employees, 2010. So that has been our setup, um, when we started, when the pandemic hit, so I felt comfortable and uh, with the with the remote setup that I had to send my agents uh, and and work from home. So uh, because of the experience uh, way back 2010, I know I already know what are the things required and how to manage our staff remotely. So I was able to really prepare very quick uh, quickly. And um, and set up everything and work 100% of the staff to 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 work from home. A lot of call centers, like I can only say in Cebu, that uh, you know, especially the small and medium call centers, uh, it took them um, a few months to adjust. You know, um, there are a lot of things that you know they have to give up, but uh, it's 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 quite challenging as well you know there there's also costers or bpo companies that closed you know there are also other companies that just opened in the middle in the middle of the pandemic and then when everything is you know is getting at their path to recovery they the storm hit uh last month and it was really devastating so a lot um it was very devastating for call centers who had about more than 70% of our staff work from home because those staff or employees working from home, either their, their homes were, you know, uh, destroyed, you know, the computers uh, damaged, things like that. Uh, there were no um, uh, transportation. There were no power. There's no signal. Um even my one of my office, my main my main office in here in Cebu got totally like wrecked. Um, half of the building uh, collapsed, and uh, the the wind and rain got in into the third floor and and just wet all the computers and servers and stuff. So, uh, so it's uh, it it was it was. Uh, it was really it it was really uh, difficult that time there's just so many challenges right. huh and how were your clients throughout that period well they they were very supportive um they understood the situation uh good thing though that i had several employees outside of the path of the storm so they were able to work so i just had to shift um the workload uh to them um but we're we're now back uh online so it's one one of the things that the perks about you know decentralizing your workforce and having it remote because if you can have you know staff remotely working from different cities, so you have backups, mitigations, 
in case you know a worst case scenario will will, mm. will happen. So you have some some backups there. It's so difficult because running a business is tough enough, but you know you, you just need to have so many you know yeah, considerations yeah. for so many backups, so many plan B's, C's, D's. It's 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 so difficult, isn't it? You just want to be able to run a business, you know. And yeah, then obviously right. you're dealing with a pandemic, and then you deal with these uh, these typhoons. It uh, must be tough, gosh. And yeah. uh, but you you don't shy away from hard work. So you employ hundreds of people. Uh, you've got a second business as well, and now you're starting a political party. Gosh, mm-hmm. um, you must be, <laughs> you know, you must be uh, pretty impassioned to to start this political party because I imagine that's that's a lot of work. Uh, so do you want to tell us yeah. a little bit about the political party and also, you know, what, what is the, what is the motivation to, to start this? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so aside from, from business, uh, for Pharmas 360, the overcode technologies for software, um, yeah, this BPO part list, a political organization, the, the motivation really is to ensure sustainability in our industry because um you know if you if you look at the government right now and especially during the pandemic and post-pandemic period um the government is always saying that they, they need to provide jobs for the people they need to you know get investors in uh and get jobs like you know the government will always talk about manufacturing uh, talk about tourism, but if if they really want jobs for the people, I think the answer is right in front of us, and it is the IT BPM sector. It is for me potentially the only you know, the only industry that can potentially provide millions of jobs for the next you know three to six years if the government can just focus in helping the industry um, in such as uh, training, uh, help for the entrepreneurs, and marketing of our capability in the Philippines to other countries. So, so I thought that if the Philippine government can have a massive tourist, tourism campaign to, to, to a lot of countries out there, like they say, it's more fun in the Philippines, right? So, you know, they, they have that massive tur- uh, tourism campaign in the U.S., Europe, and other parts of uh, the world. I thought that why not the government can also do the same with our skilled workers here in the Philippines? Because so if, if, right now, we are the only ones marketing our industry, right? Like for you, um, Derek, like I think you're, you know, with your, I saw, I, I read all your, the things that you have, uh, especially in your website. You're, you're helping us market the Philippines and get uh, outsourcing clients to, to, um, to uh, outsource here in the Philippines. But I thought, what if the government itself can help us do the legwork, do the the, the you know do the, the the heavy lifting of the marketing right so if the government can do marketing and then second if the government can also help with the talent uh, uh, training like because right now there are a lot of people that are in need of jobs number two there's also a lot of people that are displaced workers so these are people from other industries especially the tourism industry. So these people want to have a job. And, and one of the things that they, they saw is the opportunity to work in the BPO sector. Mm-hmm. However, they're not able to cross the bridge to the next industry because they, they, there's a huge skill gap. So this skill gap can be mitigated, can be addressed if there's just um, a national initiative that can provide training, short course training for for the displaced workers. So let's just say about at least 100 hours training for all the displaced workers. The displaced workers are already experienced uh, people uh, from just like 
It's just that they're from the different industry. If we can train them about customer service, if we can train them, polish their English, train them about um, culture in Europe, culture, U.S. culture, uh, train them about call handling or even sales. So with, with at least 100 to 200 hours of training, they will, they will be fully equipped to cross to the next industry, which is our industry. Because if there is enough training with the national government uh, with its own budget, and the second phase would be if the government can do the heavy lifting with the, with the marketing with its, uh, with its uh, allied countries. So just imagine if there's like 20, 30 million small businesses outside the country, if we could just get for example, uh, 500,000 in, in the span of three years, 500,000 small businesses just outsourcing one, just even one staff to the Philippines. That's already instantly 500,000 jobs created um, with just very minimal uh, budget coming from the national government. So that's really the primary motivation here. It's a sustainability and jobs because um, if we in the industry will just stay where we are, we're always at the receiving end of each, you know, legislation, of each law. Um, uh, our se senator and Congress women and men in in Congress uh, doesn't have the hands-on knowledge and experience about our industry. All they hear is just whispers from their what consultants mm. and lobbyists, right? But if we have someone who is really from the industry, whether that's me or someone else, but from the industry, we, you know, we would be able to fight what's really uh, good for uh, the BPO sector, the outsourcing uh, sector. So that's really the primary motivation. It's our. Um, it's our uh, survival, basically, to, to put it bluntly, right? Because it. um, and how, how do you find it, it, the government? Yeah, how, how do you find the government really uh, sees the outsourcing industry right now? I think going back along, you know, twenty years ago, it wasn't really a respected industry, but I think now yeah. you know, it's it's earned and won a lot of respect, and obviously it contributes about. 12% to the GDP. It employs mm -hmm. about 1.5 million people. There's also about, mm -hmm. they estimate about 3 million people working in the gray economy through things like mm -hmm. Upwork and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's, it's certainly a big force within the economy. Uh, mm -hmm. Yet you have things like the Create Bill, like the new tax bill, which has mm -hmm. really, well, it, it was a move to reduce support for the industry. Uh, so how do you how do you feel the government views the outsourcing industry collectively? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, that's a really great question. You know, you mentioned about um, the industry contributing about uh, eleven to twelve percent in the national uh, in the GDP, right? The the in the economy there 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 are two main pillars there the main contributor in the philippine economy um it's the first one is the ofws or the overseas filipino workers so uh they can you know they contribute a lot to their to their uh financial remit remittance to back to their family here in the philippines the OFW contributes around 10 to 11% in the GDP. The ITBPM is around 11%. Now, at, before, it was the OFW that's the number one contributor. Now, uh, it's the ITBPM or the BPO industry. But this is a sad part. Uh, OFW, the, uh, you know, the, the other pillar of the economy, has their own dedicated... Uh, government department that oversees the welfare of this um, OFW. So we have the Department of Migrant Workers, and um, they have also agencies uh, like the POEA, the Philippine Overseas Employment Agency, and there's this OWA. So the OWA 
is the Overseas Workers Welfare Administration. And this does not include various sub-departments uh, in each government agencies in the Philippines. So if you look at that sector, um, the OFWs are really well taken care of. But the ITBPM, or the call center industry, we are the biggest pillar in this economy. There is no such law right now, or even a special agency that looks after its sustainability. Like, there is none. Um, mm -hmm. We don't even have a special department that ensures its sustainability. So there's the create law. Then there's this a lot of taxation. The ease of doing business is horrible. But, you know, it's if you, if you look at that, if, if the government really believe uh, that this industry is essential, especially just in terms of uh, job creation, the government should have already in place a special agency that looked after the investors, that looked after the workers, and looked after all the stakeholders involved in this uh, in this ecosystem. So that's that's one sad part there because uh, because we don't because there's no one really fighting hands on like you know pushing our interest there. We're always at the back burner. We're always at the you know low priority. You know, and there so, is, I mean, there's obviously DTI and there's BOI and IBPAP and, you know, these uh -huh. aren't wholly dedicated to outsourcing, but they do, they do yeah, put yeah. in, a, you know, significant effort into the industry because it is to some yeah. degree a golden goose to some degree, for yes. the country, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's, that's really, you know, there's a lot of, um, um, this is one of the things I haven't talked about this. I think this is the first time that I'll be talking about this uh, in public. Uh, but there should be a one-stop shop agency that that helps the industry, that has everything in there, like in one house: DTI, BOI, uh, PESA, DICT, and even the LGUs. So everything that the call center or the companies would need is in one. Uh, agency or one office because for, for us for example um, if our people want to process some government documents they have to uh, after shift night shift instead of sleeping they go they go to the government office and process things there so I thought that why could we have the same thing for the BPO industry wherein there's one office you know even if it's just open until 10 p.m or 11 p.m. Uh, at night, at least, that can really help a lot of people, especially the, the BPO uh, industry or the businesses, right? That would so, be nice, wouldn't it? Even, even just to streamline the processes with the with the different agencies, it would, yeah, yeah. It would be nice. Okay, so, Mike, and, um, and so mm -hmm. what what is the what is the mechanics of this then? I don't want to get too political, of course, but in 100 days there's an election. So what's what's ahead of you over the next 100 days? Is it sort of political rallying? How are you generating awareness and support? And uh, what are your sort of expectations for the big day? Yeah, um, well, right now it's just really on the... Um, I, I think for the next 30 days is pr primarily raising awareness because um, there were there were just a little bit uh, of a backstory. There were already at least four uh, groups that tried to um, uh, to get in, uh, and cre they created a group of partilists that also will represent the BPO industry. But uh, they were not able to make it. They were not uh, accredited as a partilist. So I guess with all those uh, concerned stakeholders that time, they had enough and they, they felt really disappointed. Uh, they thought that, you know, this is really the reality. Uh, we're always at the receiving end. So right now what I'm doing is really on the awareness side that, hey, um, uh, one partilist for the BPO industry as a whole uh, made it, and we uh, we made it in the ballot. Uh, we are 120 in the ballot, 
that's our number. And um, we are here to really support and make the industry sustainable. So that's really the the uh, the, the first thirty days uh, 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 would be. So because the official campaign will start on Feb eight, a few days, uh, you know, about nine, ten days from now. So that's the official campaign date. Um, so it's purely for awareness side. So I'm talking right now to different um, groups, ICT groups and organization, just to spread the word out there that we, the, the BPO part list exists and we are here to really support um, the whole industry. Um, the second part is uh, a little bit hard because I have to go where... Um, to the provinces, because may, um, according to uh, data for Cebu and Mindanao alone, uh, a staggering amount of uh, employees, about 70% in Cebu, 70% of the call centers or the BPO employees in Cebu are from the provinces. So... Um, so what it's that very means disparate is, market, um, yeah. It's very difficult to connect. Seventy percent of them are, you know, they live and are registered voter in the province. So that's the hard part because even if we are able to get uh, supporters from the employees themselves uh, about the BPO party list, the reality is they are not able to vote come the election day because um, there'll be. They'd be working, right? And in in our in our um, you know workforce uh, leave or absences uh, threshold, we, we can only we can only allow certain percentage of people to go on leave on that particular day. Election day is a Monday, and um, so it's really going to be really busy. Most of the employees are from the provinces, so they're not able to vote. So what we what we hope to uh, achieve is that go to where these employees are from. So if they're from the provinces, so we, we go to where they're from and tell their families and relatives that um, there is a BPO part list and we are here to help. So that's that's really the, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of, there's, there's sort of communities out there. There's some big, big Facebooks with like Facebook groups with like quarter of a million mm-hmm. um, participants. And uh, there's a couple of podcasts, there's a couple of YouTube channels. Are you, are you reaching out to them? Is there any sort of uh, support or collaboration from those big communities? Um, yeah. Um, right now, um we had already two big groups that are in, so a total of about 600,000. Uh, other groups as well, um, we don't know their admin, but, you know, they tried, they got, we got their response. They tried to be apolitical, so they don't, they don't want to be involved in mm-hmm. politics, especially on their page. Uh, that's totally understandable. But, uh, again, it's just on the awareness side. At least they know. Right, um, that uh, there's this uh, part list that's that we exist, and just uh, just getting the word out there. So right now, our campaign is heavily concentrated in Cebu and in Mindanao. Uh, I'll be in Manila when uh, when the when this surge is done, <laughs> I guess. Um, so around. April, I'll be in Manila to to sort out uh, to 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 meet some leaders there. Um, but yeah, so far um, we have a lot of uh, supporters that is really supportive of the cause. Um, so you know, there there's a lot of um, in the BPO part list. If I may, uh, they, I'd like to share some platforms sure. that we are really trying to. <clears throat> uh, we really want to push. Uh, the first platform that we want, we want to push is um, the free internet. So 
the free and a uh, really stable internet for the whole Philippines. There's already a program for this with the government. However, with the DICT, uh, because again, there's no there's no one in in Congress in Senate that is really has a hands-on knowledge about technology and the industry. So DICT will always have this budget cuts during the budget deliberation. So for such projects about internet infrastructure, it's it you know uh, DICT will always get you know their budget slashed. And is that a, you know, I understand, I mean, but it, we are, it's a developing country and there's huge sort of priorities. Um, these sort of national internet rollouts, they they cost billions of dollars, don't they? Like, are they are they getting cheaper now in terms of these internet national rollouts or, you know, since you have a sort of IT background as well, like, are these sort of, they're massive infrastructure projects, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Um, it's really massive, especially in the Philippines. That uh, the cost of uh, setting up infrastructure is really high because we we have we are an island nation, and we have to like submerge a lot of cables um, uh, just to connect each islands. So that's one thing. Uh, second is the the accessi- accessibility of each uh, city and LGU. So um, in terms of infrastructure, you know, in a perfect world, ideally, uh, if you could just, uh, if you can, if you can uh, just put the cable on a straight line, that is really the best, the perfect scenario. But here at the Philippines, you have to like, you know, put the cables. Uh, and that's a difficult thing, isn't it? You know, because the, yeah. the developing economies are always going to be so far behind with these big infrastructure projects. Is is there hope? You know, there's like the Starlink, and I think Facebook are also trying to get you know internet mm-hmm. satellites. Is that on the horizon? In that, you know, the opportunity for developing countries is that they can um, they can bunny hop certain steps of development and you know when there is i don't know 5g sort of sent from satellites then potentially you don't have to spend billions of dollars on building a national infrastructure when everyone will just be able to download it for cheap like do you is that and is that likely to come in the next few years i think there's a lot of powerful people working on that isn't there yeah um you, you, I think you got it right. So one of the things right now with our with BPO Partilis is that because we want to really push uh, internet for all or free internet, especially to the rural areas or the the remote areas. Um, one of our project right now is uh, we set up a satellite internet to a very remote barangay or village in Kamotas Island, Cebu. So there is no phone reception there. You cannot call, you cannot text, but there's internet. So, um, and that's true satellite internet. So right now, um, the satellite internet connection is really getting cheaper. I think because of the because of Starlink. So right now, you, you can get around forty to fifty Mbps for only nine thousand pesos per month. That's already like really very cheap compared to before, wherein you have to pay like uh, two thousand. Um, $2,000 a month just to get a 20, 20 uh, Mbps. So, yeah, so yeah. That, those are right now because there's internet in that village. Some of the call center agents who used to work in Cebu City, they now went back to their province in Kamotas Island and just, you know, work from there because we provided this free internet into the area. Um, so we, we It's have, very valid, isn't it? Because you can uh, – the internet brings – prosperity the internet brings the world's economy to your doorstep and a lot of these provincial locations they have no economic prospects and with the internet you can tap into the global economy sitting at home which is incredibly powerful so i I understand you know there's 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 very good reason to try and nail this infrastructure Mm. issue yeah yeah uh, hopefully 
hopefully the Starlink thing, and they will get a lot cheaper, won't they? It's, it's kind of just getting to scale and getting them up, getting the satellites up there, and then hopefully these things will have a major, major impact on the mm-hmm. economic prospects of the provinces. Yeah. Yeah, that's really true. Um, internet connectivity is, um, is an economic jump starter. Um, you know, uh, not only it can provide online jobs or remote jobs, it can also help students to really be well connected to the world and, and do research, uh, not just staying on their books, but they can, you know, they can do a lot of things. They can explore a lot. Um, it can also bring uh, a lot of opportunities such as like uh, farm to market, right? Instead of, um, you know, going to s- different um Middlemen, um, you know, farmers, fishermen can can sell their produce uh, directly to consumers at the at the higher rate, and consumers would be able to buy at the as a you know at a cheaper rate as well. So yeah, it's yeah. a it's a jump starter. So that's one of the things that we're really pushing. Uh, another one is uh, really the the you know we are pushing for the creation of an. Um, I, I, it's very relevant for you because um, it, it has a word accelerator as well. Nice. So we, we so it, we want to have like a BPO accelerator program for Filipino entrepreneurs. We're in, um, you know, a lot of people wants to get in into the in, to get into the BPO industry. Yeah, a lot of uh, really wealthy people wants to be to invest as well, but there seems to be a lack of uh, program or knowledge base on how to set up, uh, um, you know, um, a BPO business. You know, there's there's money here. There's also talent and there's the technology. It's just that how to piece all these three together and how to have and how to run the business. So if we can have a national program where in each, each city can produce one graduate of the accelerator program, in one year, so roughly about you know a thousand a year or so. So in five years, if the government can produce five thousand certified graduate graduates of this accelerator and a handholding program, mm-hmm. so that these entrepreneurs uh, will have a higher chance of um, succeeding in in the business. Like for me, for example, it took me six years to figure it out. But what if there's a national program that can help all these aspiring or these coming uh, new entrepreneurs into the industry, uh, equip them with the right skills, skills and mindset, and mm-hmm. to, to really to, to really make it? So five thousand entrepreneurs. Let's just say for each one of them, employing at least a hundred a hundred each. So that's that's already like 500,000 new, uh, uh, that's already 500,000 jobs. Uh, and right is that away. A, would you say that's a requirement of the government though? Because, you know, there's no one in Silicon Valley having holding courses of how to start a fintech. Um, you know, a lot of this comes down to the private sector and individuals mm-hmm. kind of carving their own way. And that, that mm-hmm. by definition is entrepreneurship, isn't it? If you, I think if you provide sort of step-by-step rails, then actually it's not really entrepreneurship. You're almost like a franchisee kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But then also, you know, is there an opportunity for for a private citizen to create this course? If there is if there is huge demand, mm-hmm. for example, ourselves, you know, if, if we could set up 1,000 BPOs in the next year mm-hmm. and just take yeah. half a percent uh, commission from all of those BPOs, you know, are there sort of are there alternative routes to this? Because the government is so slow at moving, isn't it? Just yeah. because it has so many, so many jobs on its plate. Yeah, I th- you know, I think you 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 hit the nail perfectly there. Um, the government, this is uh, the government expertise is not this, right? It, uh, the government doesn't have any experts or uh, employed or even leaders that has knowledge about the industry. So if there's a national program, so the government will most likely uh, partner with a private entity uh, to do such program. So, for example, for you, uh, for example, uh, if you can offer such course, right, 
the government would be willing to probably subs subsidize, you know, portion of the cost for you as long as you produce graduates of the program that can be entrepreneurs uh, in the future for BPO. You know, so at the end of the day, the government just wants number one, uh, local revenues to come into the Philippines, and then number two, job creation. I think those are the only two. Uh, primary motivations of the national government. So uh, if there's such a program like that, an accelerator program for entrepreneurs to get into the business, we can produce so many entrepreneurs employing, you know, 108, 500,000 employees. So it's really a great, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great, uh, it's a great uh, initiative because um, this is what I've been telling the government as well. We should not be, you know, I, I'm very thankful, by the way, um, for investors, foreign investors that come into the Philippines to invest. You know, you guys have risked um, a lot of things to come here and, and invest in the Philippines. But I told the Philippine government that we should not be reliant on when and where uh, and foreign investors will come to the Philippines. Instead, instead of waiting um, we, we should also be training our own. So by having this accelerator, uh, BPO Accelerator Program or BPO Entrepreneurship Accelerator Program, we'd be able to produce a lot of entrepreneurs and that can really uh, support. Case in point, for example, we have uh, Indian companies here that are in the Philippines. We have WePro, we have, there's Tech Mahindra, there's uh, Sutherland. These are Indian companies that are that were supported uh, a lot by the Indian comp uh, Indian government. So now they're now uh, they now have their operations here in the Philippines. So I told the national government that why can't we have the same? Why can't we have you know uh, a, a really good success story here in the Philippines that you know um, like a homegrown BPO. Whether it's owned by a foreigner, but as long as it's it it started here in the Philippines, you know it's it's really and there great. Are, you know, there's 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 a reasonable number, but there's not the sort of multi-billion-dollar uh, enterprises. You know, uh, there are there are obviously Philippine-owned and run BPOs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. And one thing I want to ask you, Mike, is mm -hmm. the situation with now. There's a huge freelance. Uh, mm -hmm. economy in the Philippines, a lot of them working from Upwork or similar mm -hmm. platforms, a lot of them being paid via PayPal. All mm -hmm. of these people, the vast majority of them are in the gray economy. They're not actually properly registered. They're not paying mm -hmm. taxes. You know, And the downside to that, of course, is that they sort of they're somewhat illegitimate within society. They don't then have the health care. They don't have a lot of the sort of protections of normal workers. What is your feeling on that in that it's it's a massive and growing part of the economy, but it's a, it's a grey economy? And do you think that that should formalise that these people need to start paying taxes or, you know, are you supportive of it being kind of free wheeling? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in, in BPO Bartolis, we recognize the role of uh, digital jobs or online freelancers. So um, in, in this, so as you mentioned, there's around roughly about, uh, two to three million uh, people involved in either part-time or full-time uh, engagement uh, for uh, freelancing, either in freelance or Upwork. But uh, for me, um, these guys, this that 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 subsector in this in the in the industry should be supported and uh, and should be protected. Although there's already the Freelancer Protection Act, but uh, in the Philippines, but that freelancer law right now, I mean it's not yet a law, rather, but it's uh, it's still for uh, deliberation and for signature in Senate and in uh, by the president. But one thing that's missing there in that freelancer protection uh, bill is the online freelancing. 
So it, it does not really talk about anything online or services that are, you know, exported outside the Philippines, especially online jobs. Got so it. number one, it should be protected. Number two, yeah, I, I agree that anything that, you know, that uh, anyone or, uh, or any entity that made money here in the Philippines should have, should, should pay their taxes. So with, with the, with the, with the, with the online freelancers, um, yeah, I used to be a you know an online freelancer as well. So before I started, uh, I created uh, Performance Three Hundred and Sixty. I got into freelancing for about seven months. So uh, I was exposed to uh, different clients in in Upwork or Odesk that time. So I I, I really got into the industry. So. If those people are not paying taxes or trying to avoid uh, government um, uh, government dues, I think that's not long term. Because if they really want this li- their livelihood to be protected, if they want their livelihood to succeed, they really need to to be engaged and, and collaborate with the government. For example, if they pay their tax, they pay their um, government remittances like healthcare and field health, social security. So the, the government will be able to help them uh, later on. So this is part of the things that we, we really want to push with the BPO part list uh, to create such um, you know, a special uh, office office for, uh, for the online freelancers to cater uh, to their needs. Because at the end of the day, it's jobs, right? The more jobs that we can provide the Philippines, uh, the more jobs that we that we have for the Filipino people. That means, you know, they have money to spend. Money. So especially for online freelancers, they have higher than average uh, compensation. So they have higher purchasing power. So mm-hmm. just imagine in a remote town in, in a far area in the Philippines, having online freelancers with high purchasing power, the local economy will grow because you know these people would like to spend. So markets, groceries will pop out, restaurants will come out, coffee shops, and so on. So it's it's also a jump starter. It's just that this is something new. The government, I guess, you know, there because there's no champion there. They don't know uh, exactly what to do, what laws to create. So it's still uh, the government's still playing catch up. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I certainly hope that they will have representation soon, Mike. And, uh, yeah, I wish you the best for the 9th of May and, and mm-hmm. more importantly, the run-up to it. So, uh, yeah, I wish you the best, Mike, and, and please keep in touch and give us updates yep, and sure. we'll be watching your, your progress eagerly. Mike, if anyone wants to reach out to you or learn more about what you're doing, how can they yeah. do that? Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Derek. Um, if they have, if they want to reach me, uh, they can send me an email in michaelkubas at gmail.com. So that's the, the best uh, you know, way to contact me. So uh, feel free uh, to, to reach out. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. That was Mike Kubos of BPO Party List. If you want any of the show notes, as always, go to outsourceaccelerator.com slash podcast. And as always, if you want to drop us an email, then just email us at ask at outsourceaccelerator.com. See you next time.